TSMC and Honhai have reached a deal to buy 10 million doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID vaccine. The deal was announced in a joint statement by the two companies. The statement said the vaccines are expected to arrive in batches starting from late September. They will be delivered straight from the BioNTech production site in Germany and donated by the tech firms in their entirety to the Taiwan government. In the early hours of Monday, Honghai founder Terry Goh published a post on Facebook saying that an agreement had finally been reached on buying COVID vaccines. He said the only details left to be decided were delivery dates and quantities. Just a few hours earlier, Shanghai Fosun Pharmaceutical Group released its own announcement on the deal. The statement said Shanghai Fosun Pharmaceutical had reached a procurement agreement to sell 10 million Pfizer vaccines to TSMC, Honghai and the Yongling Foundation through Zwellic Pharma. It said that the buyers would later donate the vaccines to the relevant agency of disease control of the Taiwan region for local vaccination. Honghai and TSMC then released a joint press release thanking the public and private sector for their support and assistance. They said the vaccines would be donated in their entirety to the Taiwan CDC and that the first shipment could arrive as early as September. They said the date would depend on production at the manufacturing plants in Germany as well as the progress of vaccinations in Taiwan. Since the beginning on this donation campaign, everyone has has worked extremely hard to make it happen, and now we reach a preliminary result. On behalf of the CECC, I would like to offer our most sincere gratitude to all people involved in the procurement, be it individuals or organizations, for their efforts during this time. If these vaccines are able to reach Taiwan smoothly, they will be of great help to our vaccination drive. The presidential office and Premier Su Zhenchang also expressed their gratitude to TSMC and Honghai. The presidential office said the purchase agreement had ensured three criteria, that the vaccines would be made by BioNTech in Germany, that they would be labeled as such, and that they would be shipped directly to Taiwan. Each of the 10 million Pfizer vaccines will cost 32 US dollars. If factoring in storage fees, the cost of each shot goes up to 35 U.S. dollars. Reports say the first shipment of 1.5 million doses could arrive in Taiwan in September, with another 7.5 million doses to be delivered between October and December. The remaining vaccines would arrive in Taiwan in the first quarter of 2022. Perhaps it'd be better to not focus so much on the price, especially since this is a donation to the government. We are extremely thankful for it. We're obtaining these vaccines at no cost. We look forward to the delivery. After 49 days of fraught negotiations, a deal for Pfizer vaccines appears to have taken shape. But as always, nothing is for sure until the vaccines physically land in Taiwan. More than 2.7 million people have already registered their COVID vaccine preferences on Taiwan's new booking system. So far, the booking system is only open to adults aged 50 to 64 and to adults with designated illnesses. According to the Central Epidemic Command Center, 60% of registered people want only the Moderna vaccine, while 3% want only AstraZeneca. Another 36% say they can accept either. The CECC says that people who are willing to take AstraZeneca could get vaccinated as soon as this Friday. It also says that if interest in AstraZeneca remains low, the booking system will be opened up to adults less than 50 years old.
If the people who meet the criteria have all registered already and if there are vaccines left over, we will offer them to the next age group down. So in a very short time, we may be able to open up the system so that people aged below 50 can register the preferences. Taiwan reported 23 new local COVID cases and one death on Monday. Health authorities also reported that the spread of COVID has been slowing since May. The RT value, or reproduction number, which predicts how many people one COVID case infects, has been less than one for three weeks in a row. That's down from a peak RT value of 15 on May 15th. As of Monday, more than 14% of the population, or about 3.56 million people, have received at least one COVID shot. The Central Epidemic Command Centre said Monday that it will increase the interval between the first and second doses of Moderna. The CECC will delay the second dose from 28 days to 10 to 12 weeks so that it can spread Taiwan's limited supply of vaccines across more of the population allowing greater numbers to urgently vaccinate. Exceptions to this policy are pregnant women, airline crew and frontline healthcare workers in the first priority group who can get their second dose after 28 days. To get the first dose out to as many as possible, the CECC said Monday that second doses of Moderna will be delayed for most people. Instead of waiting 28 days for the second dose, they'll have to wait 10 to 12 weeks. People in the first priority group, flight crew of national airlines and pregnant women will be able to get their second Moderna shot at the standard interval of 28 days. Everyone else will need to wait an interval of 10 to 12 weeks. That time frame will be adjusted on a rolling basis, depending on vaccine stocks. In other words, for AstraZeneca, some people are already eligible for the second dose. In principle, the second dose should be administered 10 to 12 weeks after the first. Meanwhile, people in the first priority group, flight crew of national airlines and pregnant women will be able to get their second Moderna shot 28 days after the first. Mixing vaccine brands is still not allowed. So far, the central government has distributed 4.64 million vaccine doses to local governments. About 1.47 million of the doses have yet to be administered. New Taipei still has 40 percent of its stock remaining, while Taipei has 31 percent. Outside of the six special municipalities, Taidong has the highest rate of unused vaccines at 48 percent. The figure is from July 9th. On July 8th, the central government shipped 120,000 doses to the Taidong County government. So that makes the vaccine administration figures in Taidong look low. Taidong says its administration rate is lower because the county had received a large vaccine shipment the day before data was last reported. Taipei also said its rate was artificially low because its dose count includes all vaccines allocated to central government personnel. The city says it's on track to use up all its vaccines by July 15. Pingdong's outbreak of the Delta COVID variant is officially contained. Pingdong Commissioner Pang Mong An pronounced the outbreak over in a social media post on Sunday, the same day all 667 contacts of the 15 Delta cases were released from isolation. But in the aftermath of last month's outbreak, there's still a sense of unease at the epicenter of Fang Liao and Fangshan townships. Fang Liao Hospital was still closed on Monday. 
In stark contrast, nearby Hangzhou Township was buzzing with activity as locals prepared to reopen for tourism. Kunding's famed night market has applied to reopen by Friday with only half its usual number of stands. It plans to limit capacity at 1,500 people and to conduct daily disinfection to prevent viral spread. One doctor claims that a remdesivir shortage could be contributing to the high COVID death. Taiwan's mortality rate for COVID cases now stands at 5.2%, more than double the global average. Remdesivir is believed to be effective against mild and moderate COVID cases. Pulmonologist Vincent Su says that due to a shortage of remdesivir, hospitals requesting the COVID treatment tended to receive it days late and sometimes too late to save their patients. An ambulance zooms by, its sirens sounding. Under the pall of the pandemic, every COVID case sets off a race against time that could make the difference between life or death. Remdesivir, a treatment for COVID, often joins the race too late. Earlier on, Taiwan didn't have any outbreaks. So overseas, they didn't let us buy the drug. Taiwan wasn't able to procure a lot. Around the world, the case fatality rate of COVID is around 2.1 percent. In Taiwan, it's 5.2 percent. Over the past two weeks, daily COVID case counts have significantly dropped and stayed low. But the daily death toll has been more varied, dipping as low as one on July 5th, only to leap to 17 the next day. Former CDC head Su Yiren said that remdesivir was proposed as a therapy for mild and moderate COVID cases last year so as to lower the chance of death due to severe symptoms. Su says Taiwan was slow in adopting the drug, updating its guidelines only this June. Not having bought remdesivir, actually, you can't just blame that on the government. Now we have this special situation. Sometimes buying medical treatments is a tug of war between countries. We bought a small amount of remdesivir so that regulations on its use had to be made stricter. That's actually why the death rate for severe cases is higher. This is a phenomenon we can see clearly. NTU Children's Hospital Director Huang Liming says there could be many factors behind the high death rate. He says that when COVID patients die, more should be done to identify the cause of death quickly, to add to the body of knowledge. Faster investigation can shed light on future therapies and save the lives of more patients, he said. Migrant workers in manufacturing, fishing and construction will once again be allowed to change employers starting Tuesday. A ban on job transfers was imposed on June 5th as a COVID precaution and it was lifted specifically for migrant domestic workers on July 1st. Now the Central Epidemic Command Centre says all remaining migrant workers can change employers too. 那但是有一些要求,就是轉換完之後必須在三天內。However, there are some requirements. In the three days before the job switch, the new employer must arrange for the worker to take a PCR test. The employer must arrange for new hires to live one to a room for observation. Basically, the arrangements must comply with this protocol and standard. Employers must cooperate with the local health authorities. Because of the PCR test is positive, medical treatment and isolation must be arranged. If the worker tests negative, arrangements should be made for health monitoring and a survey into the worker's daily activities. 
Employers that don't arrange PCR testing within the prescribed time limit or don't provide single rooms for health monitoring will be fined in accordance with the Employment Service Act. Violators can be fined between 60,000 and 300,000 NT and can be denied a renewal of their hiring permit. CECC has announced the partial reopening of movie theatres in selected areas. Restrictions will remain around the consumption of food and drink and on seating arrangements. Some theatre chains are choosing not to open their snack bars at all, while others will offer takeaway. Before I got this family, I made mistakes choosing. The government has greenlit a conditional reopening of movie theaters. That means Marvel's Black Widow, postponed for a year, is finally about to hit the big screen. Employees in full PPE disinfect the foyer of a theater. Everything is scrubbed and re-scrubbed, right down to the drinks holders by the seats. In line with restrictions, Vaisho Cinemas will adopt socially distanced seating and prohibit food and drink. I think some things should reopen, because I can't go on like this personally. But I think watching films is okay, you just shouldn't talk. Right now we are following government regulations. We'll use real name registration, take forehead temperatures on entry and use disinfectant alcohol. And at the moment, due to COVID, we've decided not to open our snack counter. Our overall turnover will probably be down 20 to 30 percent. Miramar, Ambassador Theatres and Showtime Cinemas all say they will keep snack sales shut down for now. Show says a previous contract with a film company obliges them to sell branded meals to accompany a movie. So they'll be selling snacks for takeout only, encouraging audiences to see the film and then take the snacks home. I wouldn't buy it in that situation. If you have to take it home, I feel like you've missed the point of it. You're only buying it because of the special branding, right? Some cinema fans want to collect movie posters for particular films, or branded mugs for instance. So these things have been pre-prepared for a long time. We will also offer these products at the in-theater store. But we will not allow the consumption of food inside the theater. Cinemas in Taipei are allowed to start opening up, but in New Taipei, full restrictions are to continue. Any theater found opening in New Taipei will face fines of up to 15,000 NT. It remains to be seen if that will cause a wave of New Taipei theater devotees flocking into the capital. By now, we're all used to taking our temperature at the entrance to public buildings. But the methods we use are changing. A new AI-based thermometer from eTree or the Industrial Technology Research Institute claims to be more reliable than manual testing. It can detect human faces from far off and automatically links to door access systems. These days, our temperature is taken every time we enter a public building. But each time an employee holds the thermometer up to your forehead, they're coming up close. And the average temperature machine is easily thrown off by environmental noise. Now there is a new solution from eTree. This brand new full-color thermal imaging thermometer system can accurately detect the location of the person's face. It won't get thrown off even by a cup of coffee in your hand. As people walk through, the little boxes show the system can detect their faces. If their temperature is too high, a loud alert rings out to warn staff. Oh, 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 oh. 
Say that we have someone with a fever. With this record, we could go and trace when he came in over the last few days, with who and what happened. It works with facial recognition and the door access system to make it a more comprehensive system. The new generation of thermal imaging monitors connects to door access systems, making it easy to trace someone's movements. AI and facial recognition can scan many people's temperature at once. Tech experts say it cuts labor by two-thirds while providing more reliable monitoring than manual tests. That could be especially useful in high-traffic buildings. It's already in use at TSMC, the Economics Ministry and the Sports Administration. The Tokyo Olympics are drawing near, with the first event scheduled for July 21st. Taiwan will be sending 66 athletes to compete in 18 sporting events. One week before their departure for Japan, the athletes rallied at a virtual ceremony, where President Tsai Ing-wen wished them well with a send-off gift. Standing before their fellow athletes, the Queen of Badminton and Prince of Pomahorse accept a check for 200,000 NT from President Tsai. It's a send-off gift for Team Taiwan, which is preparing to head to Tokyo. Due to the pandemic, Taiwan held its flag presentation ceremony virtually for the first time. Amid the challenges of the pandemic, the Tokyo Olympics surmounted countless difficulties and now will finally be held. Not only has the host country, Japan, demonstrated a strength of will, all the teams from the participating countries, Taiwan included, have made comprehensive preparations for this grand event that's the world's foremost sports competition. We will be your cheerleaders and we will be ready at all times to applaud your performance. Go, go, go and thank you all, thank you. President Tsai cheered on the team, wishing for their success in Tokyo. In the upcoming games, Taiwan will compete in 18 sports, track and field, archery, badminton, table tennis, tennis, cycling, gymnastics, weightlifting, swimming, boxing, judo, karate, taekwondo, canoeing, rowing, equestrian sports, golf and shooting. 66 athletes have qualified to compete, more than Taiwan sent to the previous Olympics in Rio. Dai Ziying, one of Taiwan's brightest medal hopefuls, gave a glimpse into her mindset ahead of Tokyo on Monday. She said that if she advances to the quarters, she'll likely face Thailand's Rachanak Intanon, her arch-nemesis on court and good friend off of it. Right now, my priority is to top my group. If I advance and encounter Intanon, I'll do my best to win, because after the quarterfinals, every game will be very difficult. The one-year delay gave me more time to prepare. The other competitors are mostly imaginary enemies. I feel that my focus still has to be on myself, on performing at the level I am capable of. The two athletes spoke about their outlook for the Olympics. Team Taiwan will depart for Japan next Monday, accompanied by Minister Without Portfolio Audrey Tang. On Facebook, Taiwan's representative to Japan, Frank Xie, said that Tang's impending arrival was already making waves, getting wide coverage in Japan media. He said she's gotten a flood of invites to local exchanges, but that due to COVID restrictions, she would not be able to attend them all. Tang's visit is being seen as a step forward in Taiwan-Japan relations. 
The Irwin mango is coming into season now and markets are full of the luscious fruit. But farmers are concerned as never before about how to sell the harvest. Level 3 restrictions have had a catastrophic impact on sales and prices are lower than normal. Even the Council of Agriculture is stepping in to try to prop up the industry this summer. Yujing Market is a major hub for traders of Irwin mangoes, but in recent days, customers have been few and far between. This is the high season for Irwins, and farmers are dismayed by both the continuation of Level 3 and the lack of patrons. The mango farmers of Yujing Market were hoping that after July 12, the pandemic restrictions would be lifted and they could welcome crowds of buyers. Instead, Level 3 has been extended. Now, they fear that even if restrictions ease at the end of the month, it will be too late for the mango season. The expected mango harvest at Yujing is about 92,000 metric tons this year. More than 70% of the harvest is sold domestically, but COVID has dampened the market. Customers are wary of in-person shopping. Farmers fear that prices will tank, but they have little recourse. You mentioned the price issue. This year, the price is much lower, of course. Both the volume of sales and the prices are not terribly ideal. We roughly estimate June turnover will be reduced by 20 million NT. The government has earmarked budgets to buy flawed fruits and to push various marketing strategies, but those projects will account for 30% of the harvest at the very most. We also hope the price will return to what it was last year in an appropriate way. So we implore the higher-end food processing companies to purchase the mangoes they need at the market price. Consumers are welcome to come and make purchases on the website of the Council of Agriculture or the websites of farmers' associations around the country. Mango prices have almost halved since last year. The pandemic looks set to put a damper on the whole harvest. Distributors hope that big buyers will come to their aid and push prices up, protecting the industry.